We are so honored that you chose to join us for this week's message here at Hope Church in Kalispell, Montana. It is our desire that you will be encouraged and challenged in your walk with Jesus. Be blessed as you join us for this week's message. Oh man, that line cracks me up every time. So, so, so true. Well, welcome to Hope Church. We're so glad you're joining us. Hey, we're kind of in the middle of this message series called Addicted to Love. And really, the whole premise behind it is that I believe for most of us, between growing up in broken homes and growing up on movies and social media and the culture of the world that we live in, we have been ingrained and taught this idea of what love is, what love looks like, what love feels like. And I believe that we've looked for love in all the wrong places, no pun intended. And for many of us, we've become addicted to this idea of the world's way of love. And through this whole message series, we've been exploring what God has to say and, and going back to a biblical view of true love and what real love is. And then how by receiving the reality of the love of God, uh, poured out towards us, how then through an experience and an encounter and a knowledge of that love, how do we allow that love to transform the relationships around us? And so each week we've been going through um, different relationships that all of us experience in this life and the very reality of the challenges that we have as human beings, allowing the love of God to flow through us to others. And so I hope you've been blessed by this message series. I know it's been a little bit different. It hasn't been your traditional uh, preaching, but I've been personally blessed by it each week, just hearing from some amazing couples and people in this church. And here's what I want to encourage you with, because inevitably this happens every time we do a series on relationships. And that is this, that uh, the Lord allows some of the stuff that we have pushed deep down below the surface and our conscious level oftentimes of our soul, all of our brokenness, all of our wrong ideas about love, all our woundedness from fights and broken relationships, that what the Holy Spirit will do inevitably as you're going through a message series like, like this, he will allow those things to come up. And sometimes it will feel like things are getting worse in your relationship before they're getting better. And let me tell you that that is by design. That as you're finding out more and more of the truth and you're hearing the reality, I love that we have real couples in this church. Like the leadership of this church, we don't try to put ourselves on a pedestal and say, hey, we've got it all together. We've got it all figured out. No, we're telling you the reality of the brokenness we've had to walk through and how God has redeemed it, healed it, and is bringing wholeness into our lives and sharing with you what we've learned on that journey. And I love that this is a church that believes in authenticity and, and being real and allowing God to use that to encourage you and to equip you in whatever relationships that you're currently in and preparing you for the future. But here's the thing, don't be discouraged. Oftentimes when those things come up, our natural tendency is we wanna run from them or we wanna fight them, the fight or flight. But don't do either, allow God 
to work it out. And so for some of you, that means you're going to need to start seeing a Christian counselor to try to work through it. Maybe you need to get some spiritual counsel from one of our pastors on staff or amazing elders or leaders in this church that are equipped to help you walk through and figure out or put your finger on and identify the root of the issue. Because I know that God wants to bring healing and wholeness to you so that your relationships can be healed, they can be whole, and you can experience the depth of the love and intimacy that God planned for you in your relationships. Amen? So that's what he's doing. That's what he wants to do. And we're going to continue on that vein and dive into a topic that oftentimes isn't talked about in church, and that is the idea of godly parenting, biblical parenting. In this world that we live in today, our kids are getting bombarded every single day with this culture, the world's ideas of what love is, what love looks like, and God has equipped you and me as the body of Christ to help raise up godly men and women, the next generation. You know, God is a generational God. And he works from one generation to another. I love that we get to be a part of uh, intergenerational church. I had a pastor one time correct me. He says, you don't want to be a multi-generational church. Because multi-generational church simply means that there's multiple generations a part of your church. But the goal is intergenerational church. That is one generation speaking into the life of the next generation and being a part of the body of Christ, raising up that generation. Can I get a good amen? Amen. And boy, do we need that more than ever today. So today you're in for a real treat because uh, these two people that are going to share are people that are dear and precious to my heart. But also I have gotten a front row to seat to watch them firsthand parent their children in such a godly, loving way. And the depth of their desire to do it well and to honor God and to honor their children and honor their marriage in the middle of it is just beautiful. So you're, you're going to glean some gold nuggets of wisdom today. And I want to personally introduce them to take the stage. And when I do so, I want y'all to just give them a huge Hope Church welcome. Would you welcome to the stage to speak on this important topic, Pastor Rob Jones and his beautiful wife, Kitsy Jones. Come on. Yeah. Woo. We are so blessed to uh, have them uh, come and be a part of this church. And they're such a blessing, not just as a pastor, but just as a family, just as a couple. I just love this family. And uh, we were friends for many years before the reality of this happened. And uh, I'm just, I'm just, I feel like a kid in the candy store this morning. You guys are going to be blessed. All right. Thank you. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Um, I felt, sorry, I'm, I'm going to go off script for a second. I uh, kind of was stirred by the Holy Spirit to share. Uh, we had a worship night not too, too long. Who came to that, that night, the Empower Night? I mean, it was just a great night. And I got so many, uh, um, sorry, I'm not going to cry. I got so many prophetic words tonight. It was, it was pretty awesome. But there was this little simple prophetic word I got. Um, it was at the end of the night. I mean, basically, no one was here. And the person who gave it to me was almost like, well, I saw everyone around you. And you probably don't even want to hear what I got to say. And that prophetic word was, soon all of your frustrations are going to roll over to unspeakable joy. And as I sit on this front row this morning, I can tell you that's come true. 
Transition isn't easy. Learning to work with your friend isn't easy. But let me tell you what, all of my frustrations have rolled over to unspeakable joy. I can speak on behalf of Kitsy. We love, we love, we love our church. And it's so amazing to watch God move in this place. So we love you, you guys in for a word this morning? All right. Well, thank you, Pastor Lance, for that uh, introduction. After hearing an introduction like that, I'm excited to hear myself too. So um, I really appreciate it. As usual. <laughs> I love you too. <laughs> we'll talk in the car. We'll talk in the car. We'll talk when we. That's his favorite joke. Uh, so we get to kind of continue this conversation of addicted to love, where we look at the the relationships that you and I experience throughout our life, and how culture, unfortunately, has shaped an unreal, unrealistic expectation on those relationships, and ultimately, kind of leads us to an unbiblical worldview. On those, on those relationships. So pretty excited to get to talk to you about parenting. And here's the reality. It doesn't matter if you're a mom, a single dad, a grandparent, an aunt, or uncle. It is the biblical duty of every generation of Christians to tell the next generation about the mighty acts of God. Everyone, regardless of who you are, there's someone who's after you. And it's your responsibility in this conversation regardless of your title, whether that's mom, dad, grandma, whatever, it is your duty as a Christ follower to tell the next generation about the mighty acts of God. So before we really get into this, um, we wanted to share a little bit about how we were raised. Um, I was born and raised in North Carolina, uh, which is why I say words funny, sorry. Um, but uh, I was raised in a home with both of my parents. Um, I have a sister who is five years older than me. Um, and all of my grandparents, my aunts and uncles, my cousins, my second cousins, my fifth cousins, I'm not kidding, we all lived within like 30 miles of each other. Um, so we were really close, did all the things together. Um, but my parents were the type to come to every single school event. They were at every dance recital. They were volunteering for everything. Um, so they were just always there to encourage me and um, support me. And they are still married to this day. They're about to celebrate 41 years. So They're pretty awesome. You know how a lot of people have that thing where they don't like their in-laws? Uh, I super dig my in-laws. Me and my father-in-law are like homies. It's pretty awesome. Uh, Sorry, Dad, if you're watching this. Yeah, Leah, he love does you, dog. Love you. I love you. Uh, I grew up slightly different than, than Kitsy. Uh, I always tell people I grew up in a moving truck. I had a single mom. I was born in Corpus Christi, Texas, and almost immediately we moved from Corpus Christi, Texas to North Carolina, and I uh, grew up there, but my, my mom was in accounting, and so she worked for these hotels where like, kind of every once in a while we'd, we'd be in North Carolina, and then all of a sudden we'd be in Florida, and so I kind of I grew up with like little micro families everywhere, but there was no father figure for a long time in my life, and actually a lot of my early father figures, because my mother was a God-fearing woman, um, she made sure we were in church. A lot of my early father figures were actually, you know, church pastors, youth pastors, worship pastors, you know, that would just let me kind of roam the halls of the church while mom was at work, and, you know, I'm playing on the piano or kicking the drum, um, breaking stuff. <laughs> and, uh, you know, when I was 13, my mom married my dad, and when he married my mom, he adopted me, and that's actually how I got the last name Jones. And what's beautiful about that 
story is God does that to us, right? God adopts us into his family and gives us, the Bible says he actually gives us a new name and he gives us a new destiny when we are born again into God's family. And what's kind of funny is that my dad is a pastor. So he married this crazy family who had a crazy mess. I was headed nowhere fast, but I ended up getting my father's career, which is a beautiful thing. And I kind of remember this time, me and my mom are in a fight and I'm, I'm yelling and she's kind of yelling. And I never heard my dad ever, to this day. I call him a gentle giant. I've never heard him raise his voice. And me and my mom are kind of in this dispute and I'm trying to say the meanest things. I'm like, when I'm 18, I'm gonna change, my, I'm gonna get rid of the name Jones. And my, my dad kind of came over to help my mom. You know, I've always been hefty though, so he wasn't gonna win that. that. I was trying to slam the door in my room and he kind of has a hand on the thing and my mom's talking. And just before I get the door to slam, I had this beautiful thought, you're not even my dad. Slammed the door and I sat down on my bed and, and just kind of began to cry. And just a few minutes later, my dad walks in, he sits down next to me. After I've just yelled at him, you're not even my dad, and puts his arm around me, he says, Robert, because that's, that's what he calls me. Uh, <laughs> he goes, I am your dad, and I will always be your dad, and I love you. Uh, and it's so crazy um, that that is my story, because we all have different stories, but ultimately it all leads us to Father God. Uh, so I grew up always wanting to be a mom. Um, I volunteered literally every single Sunday in the nursery. Um, and I, in my early 20s, um, there was a little girl that was in need of foster care. And um, her aunt took her in. And she had five kids of her own, so she was a little overwhelmed. And so I just offered, hey, let me take her for the day. Um, and give you a break and um, of course I ended up falling in love with her and in my 20s early 20s I think it was like 21 22 um, I tried to convince my parents to let me adopt her mind you I was still living in their house and I worked at American Eagle so you know I could totally take care of her um, but yeah <laughs> I definitely just I just wanted to be a mom just you know, we've been married eight, uh, eight wonderful years. Um, I had never heard that story until we started doing. That. I was like, "What? <laughs> Who are you?" What's funny is I remember when we were dating. Uh, it was just kind of a random. We're just having fun, you know. And I was like, "Hey, what would be like, your dream job? You know, if you could do anything in the world, you know." Because I was still working retail. Well, you know, let's get out of retail because it's horrible. But so, what would be your dream job? You know, do you remember what you said? I said I wanted to be a mom. I, and I was like, I didn't ask you that. I said, what was your job? Like, being a mom's not a job. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It was a joke. It was a joke. Hey, I was kidding. I was kidding. I am a stay-at-home mom, so. Yeah, it's a full-time 24, come on. That's a full-time 24-7 job. Job. I think we, there was that statistic that came out that if you were to pay the hours that a stay-at-home mom works, she would make in like $275,000. Like, it's real. At least. Okay, at least. <laughs> oh, jeez. And I what, remember- What I, was your response I to looked me? At, I looked at her and I was like, if that's the life you want, you should date somebody else. I don't want kids and I don't want to waste your time. I don't want to waste my time. And uh, so, 
Needless to say, we did not go on a date that night. Um, <laughs> but I did fall in love, and when I fell in love, I realized I didn't want kids until I knew who I was supposed to have kids with. Smooth. Brownie points. Brownie points. <laughs> I can't with you. So uh, here we are, you know, almost nine years later. Um, but we got married. Um, and four short months after we got married, we got a dog. And um, four weeks after we got the dog, we found out we were pregnant. Fun. So I think we might have a picture. There's our babies. Um, there, that was at the, what was that, Sportsman Expo? The Expo at the fairgrounds. Yeah, they got fishing poles. Um, but Jackson is almost eight, um, and Memphis is five. Uh, Jackson is our passionate child. We like to say she's spicy. She's very spicy. Yeah, um, and Memphis is our calm, peaceful, can play by yourself and not have to be entertained by anyone. Equilibrium is what I call him. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, so, but with Jackson being our spicy child. Um, about a week after I had her, I realized that raising her was not something that I could do on my own. Um, even though it is what I had always dreamed of, um, I needed help. Um, but I, I didn't just need help. I needed divine wisdom and patience and perspective. So we're starting our, our new family. We're living uh, in Texas at the time, and the ministry we were a part of, we were involved in student ministry. So our weekly task involved hanging out with middle schoolers and high schoolers uh, and their parents. And it was pretty kind of obvious early on, parents, you were kind of dropping the ball, you know, almost being real. And but there were parents where you're like, man, I want to be like you when I grow up, right? They just seem to have this this kind of like balance in their relationship as a parent uh, with their kid. And their kids seem to kind of be respectful and have a direction in their life. And so we kind of began to become sponges with these folks. And we would be at lunch with them or maybe at their house and we'd just be like, hey, can we get some insight, get some, some wisdom, some advice? And uh, through the couple people that we had this conversation with, we kind of landed on a categorization of, of what they told us. And the first one, was they weren't overbearing when it came to rules and discipline. Now hear me, they, they did discipline, and we're gonna talk about that in just a minute, but they weren't overbearing. Because one of the things we noticed in our youth group is the kid that was kind of like always grounded was just always grounded. Like it didn't seem to be pushing them anywhere. They were just completely aware that they were a failure and they were just always grounded. And so one of the things we gathered from these people that seemed to kind of have it together was, well, they weren't overbearing with their rules uh, number two was they didn't fear their kids missing out. In a world where there's a plethora of opportunities and activities and things that our kids can do, these parents weren't afraid of their kids not being cool or fitting in because to keep the family together, we're not going to send each other into a thousand different directions. And so they weren't afraid of their kids not being in everything. They kept a healthy balance. And my favorite one was they were students of their kids. You see, they discovered what their kids' natural giftings were, what their interests were. Instead of doing what we historically do, which is try to relive our childhood through our kids, right? How that plays itself out is maybe I was athletic, I was on the football team 
in high school, and so of course my kids are gonna be on the football team, or at least in sports, and we just kind of continue to relive the glory days through our kids, but not realizing what we're doing by not trying to discover what God has placed in them or their interest or what maybe God's calling them to, we're actually damaging our future relationship with them because inevitably they will find out what they were called to do and realize they wasted a lot of time trying to live up into mom and dad's childhood expectations. So I want to give a little bit of a disclaimer before we kind of get into the meat and potatoes of this thing that we're going to be talking about an ideal, right? We're going to be talking about an ideal while realizing we need grace for the real, okay? We're going to be, we're going to be laying out some foundations where like when you see it, you're like, that's unattainable. Well, that's why it's called an ideal. It's something that we aim towards while giving ourselves grace for the real. Because the reality is that each and every single one of us are living a different moment, a different reality than the person maybe sitting next to us. Some of us are single parents, some of us are widows, some of us are grandparents, so we understand that there are many different moments that each of us can live in. So we're going to point to this ideal today while we have grace for the fact that we still need to live in the real. Yeah, so God chooses to partner with us in raising the next generation. And that's such a powerful truth. Uh, We have no greater job, no more awesome responsibility, excuse me, and no more rewarding opportunity than to shape the hearts and minds of our children as we introduce them to the one who created them, that died for them, and who loves them with a fierceness that even we can't understand. The world will tell you that God's word is outdated when it comes to the challenges of modern parenthood, but don't listen. God's word is as relevant and life-giving today as it was the day it was written. I love that we attend a church that preaches the Bible. I love that we have a pastor that preaches the Bible, the whole Bible. And uh, so we're just going to dive into the Bible. We're going to be in Psalms 127, verses 3 through 5. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children's of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies at the gate. Children are a blessing. I'm going to say it again. Children are a blessing. Kitsy, Kitsy brought my attention to this week. There's, there's something called child bashing, where basically like women get on YouTube and, and drink wine together and just kind of, there's a, there's, I looked, there's a whole YouTube page. And they, I did not know and that. It's, it's, it's all satire, and it's a little bit like, oh, we're just, you know, we're just being real. But what it does is it perpetuates a narrative that children are the bane of our existence. They aren't a blessing. And really what it is, is that children challenge your selfishness, but they are a blessing from God. And culture wants to alleviate them from the conversation and keep them out of the experience. But what I love that we do here at Hope is that our kids get to participate in the service. And then with their own little eyes, they get to see God move. I mean, just, I mean, the kids that were in service today, I mean, seeing God move and seeing his power reign. And I just have this thought that's kind of popped in my mind. Your kid didn't ask to be born. So 
if you're looking at your kid like a burden, why is it their fault? That's all I had, and I don't have a landing point. <laughs> Go ahead. So one of the things that I love about Hope um, is that uh, our, our children aren't just a part of they are encountering and experiencing the Holy Spirit. Um, and that is something that even Rob and I didn't um, really encounter until we were well into adulthood. And I think that it's just so important for our children um, to experience that while they are young because it will shape their lives. Um, but oftentimes we do tend to put a little too much emphasis on the church we attend or how we educate our children. Um, and we forget that pastoring our kids starts in our own homes. And see, while both parents are charged um, with nurturing and admonition, fathers specifically are encouraged to take the lead. Uh, Paul writes in Ephesians that fathers must play a critical role in the upbringing of their children. And while mothers tend to do that naturally, sometimes the fathers need that encouragement. Yeah, dudes. <laughs> you're, you're doing so good. That's like... But here's the reality, guys. I think what ends up happening, and I, I do this in my own life, is uh, I'm like, I, I know what I, I, I work for. I don't want to work. I could, I'd rather go hunt elks all day. Am I right, CJ? Right? I'd rather be out in the woods. I'd rather just do whatever pops in my mind. And so I know that I work all day. So when I come home from work, I don't have time to play dolls, you know? Or my kids, you know, we're preparing our kids for the apocalypse. So our kids like playing, our kids like, what? I'm just being real. So we, we play a lot of hide and seek. That's what our kids want to do. <laughs> <laughs> I do. Uh, you know, so I don't have time for all that. I'm tired. I already did my fatherly duty to provide. I've said that before to my own kid. I'm like, do you, do you not like the food that's in the fridge? Do you not like the bed you get to lay on? Do you like the power? You know, I paid for all that. I ain't got time. When all my children are wanting is just time with their father. They just want to be in the presence of their father. Uh, and... Uh, there's kind of these uh, crazy statistics that uh, Kitsy did some research on that she found this week that's pretty staggering, actually. Uh, so 67% of households have a pet. And sadly, that means that a child in America is more likely to live with a pet than with their father. Um, some other statistics are children that are raised in a household um, without their father or without a present father. Um, there, there's over 6 million children under the age of 18 that are on psychiatric drugs. Um, there's a four times greater risk of them being in poverty. And there's a seven times more likely that that child um, will experience teenage pregnancy. So it's safe to say that fatherhood is a very, very important part of the parenting equation because we're seeing what has happened to our communities and to our nation and, frankly, the world because of absent fathers. And so we're going to dive into Ephesians 6 where Paul kind of lays out some stuff for us and we're going to unpack a little bit. So I'm going to be in Ephesians 6 verses 1 through 4. I'm going to read the whole thing and then we'll kind of break it up. Children, so if you're under a parent today, hear this. See some, see some young folk in her. 
Children, I'm looking at you, bud. <laughs> He's like, I got you, I got you. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in discipline and instruction of the Lord. So I want to break down um, and speak a little bit about honoring your parents. Um, and this is something that we often tend to think about like our young children honoring us as parents, um, but we forget that we too were once children. And a lot of times we do still have a relationship with our parents. Um, and parent relationships are hard. Um, you know, you're trying to figure out um, what it looks like to honor your parents while also forging your own path, and that might look very different from theirs. Um, you're learning how to address and break unhealthy patterns while truly forgiving them. And there can be a lot of guilt when the choices you deem wisest contradict your parents' expectations of you. But honestly, one of the best ways that you can honor your parents is to humbly do better in the fear of God, and we should give our children the grace to do the same. Sometimes honoring your parents as an adult looks like patiently hearing what they have to say or suggest and considering it, even if you decide to act differently. And I can't say this for everyone, but most of our parents did the best they could with the tools that they had. This doesn't change the past, but it is critical to cultivate a charitable spirit towards our parents while not repeating their mistakes because we won't be perfect either. Honoring your parents as an adult often requires sacrifice and having difficult conversations. But hear this, it does not mean allowing unhealthy situations to negatively impact your spouse or your kids. I remember uh, my parents were visiting one time after we had, had Jackson, and like we said, she's our passionate one. I mean, since day one, she's been passionate. And uh, so we're, we're living in Texas, living in Fort Worth. We're heading downtown to show our parents around. And I'm driving. My gentle father is in the passenger seat. Jackson's in the middle, and it's Kitsy and my mom on either side. And, and Jackson's having one of her, her passionate moments. You know what I'm saying? You know, and she... You know, she's kind of got my belty voice, mm -hmm. you know, so she can. That like deep belly, like raw. Yeah. So she can, you know, she can, she can be loud. Okay. So she's loudly expressing that she hates everything that's happening. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and uh, so Kitsy has made a call as the parent. She's made a call. How we're going to handle this moment, right? Now, my mom on the other side kind of calmly looking out the window, muses aloud things that we probably should be doing as parents. And uh, it kind of kept escalating, and actually Jackson was so loud that even my gentle father kind of turned around like, like, maybe if I act like a clown, she'll stop, you know? And it's just like the car turned into chaos. I said, hey, mama's made a call. I'm gonna protect this line in the sand. We are the parents, you are the grandparents. 
Support us by backing our decision. I know it was difficult, but man, it made me so hot to my wife. (laughs) It was so awkward. Oh my gosh. So anyways, um, it's true. Uh, back to parent relationships. Uh, I see patterns in myself um, that I also see in my parents. And so sometimes I am tempted um, to blame them as though my sins were their fault, but they're not. And so instead of being angry at my parents, it's on me to deal with my sins before the Lord and not carry them any further into my parenting. There's so much I admire in my upbringing. I had just an amazing childhood. Um, We were really blessed. And even though my family was not perfect and they still aren't, um, it, it really was just an incredible childhood. And um, so there's a lot of things from my childhood that I am bringing with me. Um, and the things that I'm not bringing with me are still valuable and that God used them to teach me. So rejecting parts of my upbringing does not mean that I am rejecting my parents. So I'm gonna say that again. Rejecting parts of my upbringing does not mean that I am rejecting my parents. When you inevitably come to face with the mistakes your parents made, remember that one day your children will have to do the same. So you need to be humble. And I'm speaking to myself here. Um, But we certainly have tendencies that are related to our upbringing, but ultimately we are responsible for choosing differently. It's her first time. Isn't she doing so good? I kind of remember this moment as if it was yesterday. I'm, I'm in a parking garage outside of the hospital that we just had Jackson, our first baby, and I'm losing my salvation because I cannot get the child seat to clip into the car. <laughs> like, there's not like a user manual. It's one picture. It says, just clip it in, dude. And, and it's not going. And I'm sitting there like just freaking out because in any moment, my wife is going to show up with our newborn baby. And I can't safely transport it from this place to our place. Does the nurse come with us? I don't know. Why did I have a kid? Oh, my God. I didn't have a father. How am I going to be a father? Ah! And I was instantly consumed with insecurity of the decision to have a kid because how could I possibly be a good father when I didn't have one? But here's the truth. You didn't need a good father to be a good father because ultimately we have the heavenly father who is the cornerstone of all fathership. And actually Paul writes about this in Ephesians 3 14 through 15, Paul prays, for this is the reason I bow my knee before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. And you can actually go back and look at the Greek and be all nerdy and you don't have to believe me, you can Google it yourself. But what Paul does here is he actually does a little bit of a play on words. And if you were to translate it literally, it says that to the Father from whom all fatherhood is named. God's fatherhood is the archetype of all human fathership. And what that means for us as fathers today is that we take our cue 
from our Heavenly Father. The most obvious feature about Father of Jesus Christ is his generosity. All throughout Scripture, we see that he's generous with his glory. He's generous with his home, with his protection, with himself. He gives freely. What does he hold from us? He doesn't even hold his own son from us. He gives him freely to us. And so it begs the question, what will your children say about you? Of all the words in the human language, what will be the word? Will it be generous? As a father, we must ask these questions, and it spurs me, it spurs my attention right back to our Heavenly Father, the gracious Father of all fatherhood. Yes. Excuse me. I think that words have so much power to influence and mold our kids. So we need to make sure that we are intentionally praying over them and speaking fruits over them and encouraging them in the way that the Lord has shown us. And we're, you know, we're talking a lot about like love and, and grace and being nice to your kids. We're not, we're not saying that there's no discipline in the, in the home. Actually, the Bible and Proverbs would give us some different wisdom. In Proverbs 13, 24, whoever spares the rod hates his son, but whoever loves him is diligent to discipline him. But the fact is, is we need to not be disciplining from places of anger or revenge, but places of love and grace. Last week, we heard that great love chapter, you know, love is patient, love is kind. And it got to that part where it said, love keeps no record of wrong. And right then and there, as a parent, I knew I failed at love. Because I'm really good at keeping the kind of the recurring tab of, you know, I mean, I do all this stuff for you. And then you were disrespectful and you're not appreciative and you talk sassy. You know, love keeps no record of wrong. And, you know, sometimes the church can be charged with, all you guys do is talk about God's love. Listen, we believe the whole Bible. There is a hell, and Father God will send people there for eternity. That is real. But what he will do first is in his generosity, send his only son to die on a cross. He will raise him from the dead. And what he does through Jesus Christ is he begins to woo us through his goodness and generosity to live rightly and righteously and that us, for us as parents, is how we must discipline. It is not for retribution, but for correction to live righteously. Now, finally, in this equation of parenting, the thing that we noticed absolutely consistently from couple to couple of people that we wanted to be like when we grew up was that these great parents at the center of the family was a healthy marriage. A healthy marriage. The point of having a healthy marriage at the middle of your parenting is because it gives your children an ideal to aim towards. Too often we allow children to become the center of the family. But eventually those children will grow and leave and what's left is two roommates who don't really know each other. And why go through all of that in your glory years to fall apart then? So we gotta make sure that this is the center of the healthy marriage, even, Jackson can tell y'all, even when they talk mean to mama, I don't say don't talk mean to mama, I say you can't talk to my wife like that. Right? Because what it does is even if it's subconsciously, it reminds them that this is paramount. And out of the overflow of this love is the love we have for them. And just like the overflow of the Trinity, 
all of creation was made. So a healthy marriage is vital to the equation of parenting. Is that good for you guys? You guys good? You may have noticed, uh, you might think like, did, did uh, Adam like fail to lock the doors? Where did all these kids come from? We kind of wanted to end service uh, a little differently today. We want to give you a couple takeaways, some practical things that you could immediately do today. The first one is this, find or be a mentor. Find or be a mentor. There's so many times, even in our life, because when you're raising kids, you're really busy raising kids. It's usually grandparents that see the joy of all those little nuances of the different phases of life and can encourage us, hey, guess what? The thing you perceive as a problem is just a passing phase. So if you may be an empty nester, look to the generation before and encourage, find a mentor or be a mentor. The second thing, parents, is be engaged. It is your responsibility to pastor your children. Your responsibility to pastor your children. The church comes along to share, to spur you on, but it's your responsibility. We believe in it so much that we introduced the Parent Q app. Get this app so that you can know what Bible verses the kids are learning in, in church. You can see the videos. It even gives you ideas of activities that you can do throughout the week with your kid because it's your responsibility, parent. So be engaged with your kids. And lastly, which is how we want to end the service today, most importantly, pray with your kids. Pray with your kids. We pray every night, don't we, baby? Come up here. Come we pray every single night as a family. And it's, it's fun. Um, sometimes it's stinky. Does it stink sometimes in there? Yes. It's silly. But pray as a family. Pray for your future spouses of your children. Pray for the future spouses of your children. And so the reason your kiddos are back in here, or most of your kiddos are back in here, is because we want to end time praying together. We want to pray over you as parents want to pray over our kids and the next generation. So would you stand to your feet and let's hold our kids close. Come up here, baby. You want to stand in between me and mommy? So we're going to pray over you guys. And as the band leads and sings this last song, I hope that you receive the words over you, over your children, over your grandchildren. Because what can happen when you allow Jesus to be the sinner? When you allow your marriage to be the center, and what we believe we're doing in our family is we are changing a generation. We are, we are breaking chains off the family tree and starting a new one. And that can happen here today, right now. So you want to pick up and I'll hang up? All right. Father God, we thank you so much for the gift of family. We thank you for the gift of children. And Lord, we just ask that you come alongside us, whether we are parents, whether we are grandparents, whether we are praying for children one day. Lord, just come alongside us and shape us. Show us how we can be better and do better and be more like Jesus every day. Lord, we thank you so much for the love that we share together as families. We thank you for the fun and the joy that we have together, Lord. It is such a blessing. And Father, we ask that you would help us redeem fatherhood. 
Lord, I pray that every father in this room would be encouraged to step their game up. May we father like you father us, Lord. Lord, I pray over our next generation, every little heart that is in this room and across this building tonight, today. Lord, I pray that you would begin to stir in them the reality of who you are. God, I'm asking right now that you would reveal to parents the spiritual gifts you have placed inside our children, that we would nurture and call them out and put them to work even now. No junior Holy Spirit in this church, Lord. Father, we love you so very much. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for joining us for this week's message at Hope Church. If you enjoyed this message, you can easily support this ministry by going to hopechurchmt.com give. Also, follow us on social media at Hope Church MT. Thanks again for watching and have a very blessed week.